here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome again to Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We are, of course, a proud member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. I am one of your hosts. I'm Aaron Bentley, and along with me is your co-host, Aaron Taub. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm good, Aaron. I'm excited to be back here for episode two. I just want to take a quick second to thank everyone for listening to our first episode last week. I really appreciate it. Everyone who took the time out of their day to listen to us and to send us feedback on Twitter uh, at EvolvePod. And uh, yeah, I just I really appreciate it. I'm excited to, to go on now to episode two. We have a ton to talk about uh, with Evolve having two shows this past weekend in Chicago and in outside of Detroit. So yeah, let's let's get into it. Aaron, what did you think? I thought this was a very good weekend of Evolve shows. Uh, mainly, the wrestling was great. Like There were a lot of good matches uh, this weekend that you could really sink your teeth into and enjoy. Some of the storyline progression, which I think we'll get into a little more, I was less excited about. So we'll break that down as we get into the show. Overall thoughts for you, Aaron, or just how you thought the weekend went? Yeah, I thought it went well. I thought that uh, the Saturday show outside of Chicago was a good to very good show. I think they were hurt a little bit by that crowd there. The crowd wasn't really the the venue didn't look super great coming through on the, on the Flow Slam, and the crowd didn't seem like they were super into the show. But then the next night in outside of Detroit, I thought they had a great crowd. This crowd was just into everything. They were they seemed like they were just excited to be at wrestling and excited to have a good time, and they were wonderful. And I thought that was a bit of a better show. I, I love the main event uh, between Zack Sabre Jr. and Leo Rush. That was a very good to great show. As far as the uh, the expansion into the Midwest, we talked about that a lot on episode one. What were your thoughts about how that worked? How smoothly did it go over? Yeah, I mean, I was almost surprised that they didn't draw more people to that Chicago show, given that they were running with sort of that natural double header with NXT later in the evening. Um, I was kind of surprised by just, it didn't seem like there were too many people in that gymnasium. But then on the other hand, I was stunned by how many people were at the show in Michigan. I saw photos on Twitter and they had that general admissions section where it was just like, it was just going back as far as you could see. And so I don't know, I would say that one of the shows, the crowd's kind of disappointed. And then the other show, they really exceeded my expectations. It was, it was a mixed bag. I'd say it was overall a successful weekend as far as business goes. They created a new market, I think, in Michigan. Chicago, yeah, it seemed a little disappointing, but we don't know exactly how they promoted the show or what the what the tactics were that they used. And, of course, it seems like a natural doubleheader, but there could have been people who were choosing between Evolve and NXT. So perhaps on a different weekend, the show would have gone differently. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't come back. And, of course, they announced that in September they're going to do uh, the same trip, September 23 in Chicago, Chicago area, and September 24 in the Detroit area. You see any reason why you don't think that's a good idea in September? No, no. Seems like a great idea. I think, you know, I don't think even though I was a little disappointed by the crowd in Chicago, I, it seemed like they were happy with it. And certainly Chicago is such a big market and a great wrestling town that 
even if they weren't happy with it, you would think that they would go back and give it another try and try to keep building it up because there's a ton of hardcore wrestling fans there and it should click. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's a very good idea and we'll we'll be looking forward to that. Although you could kind of tell on Twitter uh, on Sunday night how, I mean, Gabe was just talking about how much he enjoyed the Michigan crowd. <laughs> but you could kind of tell that he was like, man, I'm so glad this crowd is a lot better than our crowd was in Chicago. It was a burial by omission, perhaps. <laughs> the best burial. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, what went down this weekend. Like we discussed on episode one, the big story going into the weekend was this general presentation of the WWN Championship versus the Evolve Championship. One thing that I wanted to circle back to, because I didn't feel like I did a good job explaining this on the first show, is the difference between WWN and Evolve. For any listeners that we have who you were checking out Evolve for the first time, I thought we should break it down a little better. So WWN, which is the World Wrestling Network, is the bigger company that has several smaller brands underneath it. It's a lot like the way WWE has NXT, right? NXT is part of WWE, but it's separate. WWN has Evolve. It has the FIP shows. It has ACW, Style Battle, a lot of different, you could call them promotions, brands that are happening under the WWN banner. So like Aaron discussed a little bit last week, it, it, the WWN title does feel like it should be the champion over all the brands, while the Evolve is just kind of a brand-specific champion. So you would think that means the WWN title is, of course, above the Evolve title. But as we thought going into these shows and now how we feel coming out of the shows, it's a little, it's a little unclear exactly how these titles are going to be presented against each other. Did that get cleared up for you at all, Aaron, uh, in the shows this weekend? Not at all. <laughs> I think that there's still, and I think that there, that's like part of the storyline is the lack of clarity between which of these titles is the true world's champion. Because I feel like there can be only one, right? You can only have in a promotion one top champion. And I feel as if that's still up in the air. Matt Riddle main evented the first night with the WWN championship. Zack Sabre Jr. main evented the second night with the Evolve championship. And I don't really think it's clear. They're going to wrestle next month and we'll get a little bit of a better idea of what they're hoping to accomplish with each of these titles. I yeah. guess we should start by saying that uh, both Matt Riddle and Zack Sabre Jr. retained their titles over the weekend. They were successful in both their defenses at Evolve 84. Uh, Matt Riddle defeated Kyle O'Reilly and Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Ethan Page. And at Evolve 85, Matt Riddle defeated Jeff Cobb and Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Leo Rush. Let's start with the Riddle defenses. Riddle versus Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, this was a match that I really liked. Uh, I felt like I was sort of in the minority reading uh, around Twitter and some of the reviews. I thought it was an exceptional match, mainly because Kyle O'Reilly was so good. I'm a pretty big Kyle O'Reilly fan. I kind of thought he and Riddle would really mesh. I, I thought it was a match that was perfect for what Riddle does. But I thought O'Reilly really outshined Matt Riddle. I thought that it really exposed uh, the flaws that Riddle has at this point as a pro wrestler. And I hope no one listening takes this as some huge criticism of Matt Riddle. He's still really new to wrestling. I just think that... We all decided he was great within, you know, a year of him starting wrestling. And it turns out that there's still plenty of stuff for him to learn, which is totally reasonable. But he's kind of gotten in this rut where he does a lot of the same things from match to match. And I mentioned on the first episode that I thought O'Reilly was the guy that might be able to pull him out of that a little bit, make him work this uh, grappling style a little more and, you know, just kick the hell out of him and see what that pulled out of him. And while they did some of that, it did become, in the end, Matt Riddle doing a lot of the, uh, relying on a lot of the same tropes that he's relied on recently. What I thought was most interesting about it was they both have this idea as like uh, an MMA guy, even though Riddle is like a legit MMA guy. But Kyle O'Reilly is so much better at putting that style in the context of professional wrestling. Whereas Riddle sometimes feel, sometimes feels like Riddle is is trying to do what a pro wrestler is supposed to do, especially an elite level pro wrestler is supposed to do in, in the style that he works. Whereas O'Reilly knows how to just fit it right in in the context of a match. 
And that's something I think Riddle is going to figure out. It's just, it's time to admit that he's not there yet. I know you didn't like the match as much as I did, Aaron, but did you get some of that sense as far as the the way Riddle and O'Reilly came off in the match? Yeah, I really enjoyed the match. I thought I really liked it, but it didn't, it's not a match I'll remember a year from now. It was good. They had good intensity. Uh, but I did, I did, it was missing something, what it was, but certainly, yes, you do see the the pattern in the Matt Riddle matches. He loves, he loves to no-sell those German suplexes. <laughs> and I do agree with you, kind of the idea that he has a lot of charisma and he got so good so fast that we were all just like, this is the greatest wrestler ever. And he's excellent. I think he's a, he's a great performer, but certainly there's room to grow. Sure. All right, on the next night at Evolve 85, uh, Matt Riddle faced off with Jeff Cobb. This was a rematch from an earlier Evolve, one of Riddle's early matches, and Jeff Cobb's debut match when Cobb basically squashed Riddle. And this was basically the reverse of that. I mean, I don't know if he called a squash, but Riddle took care of him pretty easily. How did you feel about this match, Aaron? I think I liked it a little bit better than you did, perhaps. I wouldn't say that Riddle took care of him easily so much as it was just short. It was just two big bad dudes just throwing bombs. And I think that while it didn't kind of get to the level of excitement that maybe a longer match does where the tension sort of builds throughout, I thought that it was fun for what it was. It was it was short and sweet and Cobb tossed Riddle around and then Riddle made his comeback and then Cobb tossed Riddle around a little bit more and Riddle hit the Canadian Destroyer and the Jumping Tombstone. It was a lot of, a lot of action. And, and for where it was on the show, it wasn't counted on to be sort of the big, exciting main event match. So I thought it was good for what it was. Uh, we'll move on to the Sabre defenses, and we'll talk about the way these kind of mesh together after we've talked about all the matches. At 85, we get Zack Sabre Jr. versus Leo Rush. I know you love this match. Oh, it was just fantastic. I thought I thought both great, both both guys in the match were just excellent. I thought it started with a real sense of, inter- of urgency, which is a big thing that I look for in wrestling when they started the match. And, as far as their scrambles and Leo Rush going for the suicide dive right away. Um, it had a lot of intensity. And Zack Sabre Jr. was just a goddamned motherfucker in this match. You know, we <laughs> saw him stomping Leo Rush's arm in the guardrail. And then the finish was just beautiful with him. You know, he had him in that that Jim Breaks arm bar. And he's tearing off the, the shoulder tape on Leo Rush's arm and stomping him. Yeah, it was just, it was, we're seeing this sort of, this violent and aggressive side of Zack Sabre Jr. that I think is really compelling. And I thought that this was just an excellent match. And, and credit to Leo Rush as well. I, I spoke so much of uh, Zack Sabre Jr.'s praises. I would be remiss not to note that Leo Rush was awesome in this match too. His selling was great. There was a moment in the match where Zack Sabre Jr. just sort of, you know, he did that thing where he slams his uh, Leo Rush's arm over his shoulder and, and Leo just sold it like death. Like he was just... A, so much pain in it. And, and also another thing about Leo Rush too, is I think that everything he does just looks so crisp, and so explosive. He's just, he's a fantastic wrestler. And this was just an excellent match that I, I really loved. I felt the same way. Leo Rush was great. He is great. Saber, brutal Saber is the best Saber. This was a great performance. He's gotten so good at this lately of just showing insane uh, aggression, uh, brutality in his own way, you know, not in like an ECW style way, but in his own way. At one point, Lenny Leonard said that he felt like Sabre was going to rip off Leo Rush's arm and beat him with it. And it felt that way from both of their perspectives. Like that looked like something Zach might do in the match. And it looked like something Leo might be concerned was about to happen. I, I loved that. And uh, this was a great match. I love that finish when, when Zach gets a hold of the legs, a hold of the arm, and then he starts grinding his elbow into your ribs. I mean, it just looks nasty. He starts uh, stomping in the head. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. Love everything about it. The last title defense uh, that we haven't talked about yet was from the first night, uh, Zack Sabre versus Ethan Page. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, this match in just a second. But before we get there, when we look at how the actual matches went down, how uh, the story that was told in the ring did that give you any inclination, more so what we were talking about earlier, about how these two champions are presented? Not really, although I will say that Zach's, with Zack Sabre Jr., it feels like we're watching a title reign and that there's more of a narrative around his reign as he's becoming more aggressive and 
he's having these matches with dudes that he has personal issues with. Although, obviously, Matt Riddle had the, the defense last month against Drew Galloway to sort of end that feud. But it feels more as if Matt Riddle is Matt Riddle and he's having matches and he happens to be the WWN champion, whereas Zack Sabre Jr.'s title reign feels like uh, like the title really means a lot to him and the and the idea of the champion is very central to the narrative of, it, of all the matches that they're having. All that being said, I think it's time for the part of the show that everyone has come here for. All of our <laughs> listeners, I think, are ready for this. Their bodies are ready. Their souls are ready. Aaron Taub, please tell me how you felt about Zack Sabre Jr. versus Ethan Page from Evolve 84. Well... I went out on a limb last week and I talked up and I told everyone who would listen that this match was going to be awesome. I was so excited for it. They'd been building this match for seven months. They, you know, for seven months, they'd been building up Ethan Page as a top level heel. They produced this great online promo uh, where they sort of explored his God complex and his egomania and his lust for control and attention. And he was going on Twitter and talking about how it was going to be the promo that turned around his career. And then he came out in this match and he just got his ass kicked. And the match was really, I think it was fine in a vacuum. But for me, given the context of the story, it was really disappointing because Ethan Page just came off looking weak. It was, it was just bizarre. He lost definitively and it didn't even come off as an impressive victory for Zack Sabre Jr., the match just did not land the way it should have. And I, I think a lot of that was due to pacing. I mean, the first 10 and a half minutes of this match were really exciting. They were building nicely. They had great intensity. There was good brawling. Ethan Page hit that powerbomb on the apron, and it, just, it felt like we were building to an exciting conclusion. But then it was like the conclusion came all at once. It was as if they were trying to condense the last... 10 minutes of a 20-minute match into the last three minutes of a 14-minute match. I mean, because 10 and a half minutes into this match, Ethan Page hits the spinning Dwayne, his finisher, and Zack Sabre Jr. kicks out, and it just gets no reaction. And I felt like it came a little too quickly, and people didn't buy it as the finish. And even if you know they are in a new market, so maybe people don't recognize that that's Ethan Page's finish, there was just nothing for it. And then a minute later, Ethan Page hits the package pile driver, which is like his super finisher. And Zack Sabre Jr. kicks out and they get kind of like a polite applause for the action, but not they're not reacting to the kick out or to the surprise. And then they go almost immediately into Zack Sabre Jr.'s comeback and, and victory. And he beats Ethan Page definitively two minutes after that package pile driver. He gives him four penalty kicks, and Ethan Page, between these penalty kicks, he's sitting up. And while if the match had built differently, it might have played like Zack Sabre Jr. was overcoming this monster that just kept coming back, there wasn't a lot of space between the big moves that Ethan Page was hitting. And so you weren't able to really communicate, oh, Zack Sabre Jr. is really in trouble. You know, he's on the ropes here. And so instead, it just you've almost felt bad for Ethan Page that he was just this other guy, he wouldn't stay down, but this other guy was just outclassing and, and wiping the floor with him. Um, and I thought that that was really a disappointment after all that they built up Ethan Page. And, and, and so to a certain extent, I understand when matches don't land, it's always going to happen. You know, I've never laid out a pro wrestling match. I've never been in the ring. I, I, I understand when maybe things in your head don't come off the way you'd like them to on screen. But I thought that they did a real disservice to Ethan Page the way he was, the way, or I don't know, I don't know whose decision it was. So maybe Ethan did it to himself, I, you know. But I, but I thought that they did such good storytelling leading up into this weekend with, with showing us this this maniacal character, and he came off like such a star in his feud against Darby Allen. And I think that they really undermined that both with this loss and then the next night. He came out and wrestled a comedy match with Donovan Dijak. They were having fun, joking about how they both name search on Twitter, and they're looking at the tweets in the middle of the match, and he's just having a good time. And it just it, it made no sense, and it was so contradictory to the Ethan Page character that we've come to know, um, because this is an egomaniac and a narcissist, and that's not the kind of person who handles humiliation in stride. 
in the past when Ethan Page has had losses, he's freaked out, right? After he lost to Timothy Thatcher, the next night he came out and attacked Zack Sabre Jr. When he lost to Darby Allen, the next night he beat up Jimmy Havoc and he said, when I don't get my way, I cause chaos. And so it was just so strange for him to, for them to build this whole story up and to have him get beaten so soundly and then to have him come out the next night and just be having a good time. That's really a problem because when you're asking people to care about your characters and invest the time and emotion to watch the mini docs and all the online content you put out between your shows, uh, you need to have a certain sort of integrity with how you present the characters. They need to be consistent and people need to be able to believe in them. And then after all of this, in the in the big sort of long angle after the main event, we'll talk about that in a moment, Ethan Page came out and attacked Zack Sabre Jr. And it was kind of like, really? Like, we're going back to this? And after what happened in this last match, now I'm supposed to take Ethan Page as a threat again and, and to care about him? And so I, I was just really frustrated because they'd done such an excellent job with this guy for so long. And it was it was upsetting to see that undermined by what happened this weekend. Yeah, I was not quite as invested in Paige going into the Sabre match as you were, or I know you weren't invested in Paige. You wanted Sabre to win. We talked about that last week, but I wasn't as invested in the story. Uh, but you, uh, I bought into what Aaron Tal was selling last, uh, last episode. I bought into it hard. And so I was literally disappointed just that, uh, just that you weren't right. <laughs> that, that really bummed me out. But even beyond that, I think I said this on Twitter right after. It was just, a, it was unsatisfying. The ending was unsatisfying. You got Ethan Page flipping off Zach as he kicks him, but it's like, like you said, it, it didn't feel like Page was unbeatable and Zach was having to pull out everything in his in his arsenal to, to take down Ethan Page. It never felt like that. So it was just like, huh, well, that's over. And part of it was the crowd, yeah. Part of it was the layout of the match. But part of it, part of my disappointment anyway, was... Where does Ethan Page go? We still really don't know that. I mean, this guy talked about how he was going to, this was going to change everything. He's going to take over. And, and and then he just got beat. I mean, uh, how do you rehabilitate him from there? So what we do know is that he factors into the, the big angle at the end of Evolve 85. Let's talk about that a little. At the, at the last match on Evolve 85, of course, was uh, Zach Sabre Jr. versus Leo Rush. Uh, Zach Saber gets the victory and comes out uh, or gets the mic, you know, to uh, thank the crowd, et cetera, et cetera. And then I think we're really going to have to walk through so much happened at the end of the show, this uh, ending angle. I think we've got to go through it piece by piece by piece to try to break it down, see what the hell's going on here and where everybody's going. So Saber's on the mic. He's thinking Michigan. Keith Lee, in all his glory, Keith was promised on Twitter that if he won both of his matches this weekend, he would get a title shot at the next Revolve weekend. So Keith does that. He beat Fred Yehi at Evolve 85. He beat Donovan Dijak at Evolve 84. So now he's got a title opportunity coming his way. All right. So he's like, which belt should I go after? Should I go after Sabre or Riddle? So, of course, Riddle comes out or to be a part of that to see what Keith Lee's up to. At this point, what are you thinking, Aaron? Are you, which way are you thinking Keith Lee's going to go, or where did you want to see him go at this point? You know, I don't know. It was, I, was, I was just sort of wondering along with him uh, which belt he was going to go <laughs> after. Uh, I think when he'd asked earlier in the show, the crowd had stated a preference for the WWN title. But, yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, he's beaten Zack Sabre Jr., so you're like, maybe that's going to happen. Um, but but I, I really didn't know. I think that Evolve is in a very fortunate position and they have and that all three of these guys can and are top guys. They're over with the crowd, they're great performers, and it's an, almost an embarrassment of riches. So whoever whomever he chooses to, to go after, it's gonna be a great match that people are looking forward to. All right, before he can make his decision. Uh, Catchpoint comes out. So now we've got Catchpoint uh, up in everybody's faces. And this makes sense because we've got the issues between uh, Catchpoint and Riddle. We've got the issues between uh, Keith Lee and Stokely. But we don't really get 
sorted out at this point what Catchpoint is planning to do in any real way. We'll get to this, talk about this more later, but of course, Tracy Williams also had a big weekend. He finishes with two victories this weekend, including a big victory over Kyle O'Reilly, along with his victory over Jeff Cobb at Evolve 84. So you got to think he's in the title mix. So Tracy's out, but then this is when it really starts getting crazy. And Ethan Page is the guy who comes out next. Based on what we were talking about a minute ago and where do we go with Ethan from here, he gets involved with several people people here. But do you have any clue who Ethan Page is wrestling at Evolve 86 based on this? I don't know. Maybe Zack Sabre Jr. again because he, he comes out, he gives Keith Lee a low blow. He gives Matt Riddle the spinning Dwayne. And this is the guy we should have, I wanted to see at the beginning of the show. This dude who's just pissed off and laying hands on everyone he sees. And then Zack Sabre Jr. kicks him in the face and he and Zack Sabre Jr. pair off and they brawl to the back. So maybe that's the direction. But honestly, I don't know. I guess we'll have to check our inboxes for those WWN <laughs> alerts uh, over the next couple of weeks to see what they got cooking for him. All right, we get uh, Jocka and Dickinson, who they grab Riddle. This was a part that I really liked. Tracy Williams, who I'm not always sure about his his time on the mic, but he does a a cool little callback to the WWN Super Show when he told Matt Riddle that this was just business, right? Everything that was going on with his little heel turn at the WWN Super Show is just business, uh, no big deal. But he tells him this time, this isn't business, bro. Take it personal. Which, I mean, it was a good line, and he delivered it pretty well. But my favorite part is when Tracy Williams uh, is like, no, but I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm going to let Stokely slap the piss out of you. I mean, were you excited to see Stokely slap Matt Riddle? Kind of. I mean, I <laughs> thought it would have been good to see after Catchpoint was embarrassed at in at the end of the Sunday show last month, it would have would have been cool to see them get, even though, I don't know, they're heels, but I, I kind of cheer for them, especially after Saturday when they were, they uh, put New York on their back, you know, and sort of the New York versus Chicago feud. And I'm also, I like Matt Riddle as a performer, but as a character, he's not someone who really resonates with me. And, and as I've said before, Tracy Williams is someone that I kind of connect with. So I, I was, I was into it. I was into, I was into Stokely uh, being about to slap the piss out of Matt Riddle. Now, bizarrely, uh, I mean, Stokely doesn't slap Matt, which is not bizarre. But the bizarre thing is who stops Stokely from slapping Matt Riddle? And it's Jason Kincaid. Uh, Jason is coming off another weekend where he was just, I mean, he was fine, but nothing really uh, exciting happened for him. Uh, he lost to Fred Yehi on the first night. And then he lost along with Austin Theory to Chris Dickinson and Jaka at Evolve 85 in what was a really good match. But then suddenly here's Jason Kincaid as part of this end of show angle, the big angle to end the weekend. I did not see that coming. Did you have any idea that there was some bigger role coming for Jason Kincaid? No, it was kind of like, oh, Jason Kincaid's here. All right. (laughs) But also everything was so happening so quickly during this angle that I don't know that I could have said that I was expecting anything. I I enjoyed this angle and it it was one of those sort of classic mile a minute attitude era or ECW angles where everybody's feuds kind of come together, you know, almost like the end of like a sitcom episode where all the characters wind up in the same place and everything collides. So yeah, I didn't see it coming, although I, I'm, I'm into it. I'm a, I'm a Jason Kincaid fan. I thought it was cool that I like what they're doing with this story of him sort of slowly losing his cool and his best attempts to sort of keep everything under wraps and, and to, be at peace with the world. And as we saw both Saturday and Sunday, he's it's the losing streak is starting to get to him. He's starting to lose his cool. So I'm fascinated by what they're doing with him. And so, well, I, I certainly wouldn't say that I was expecting to see Jason Kincaid. I was not displeased. Yeah. I thought Kincaid, despite the results in the ring had a successful weekend, at least with me, he had that really weird moment with, Fred Yehi, where he just like screamed at him, which was kind of fun. I think he said, told him he hated his face, <laughs> as I recall, something like that. I was like, where did that come from? And then before the tag match, you know, he cut this little promo about how 
you know, he wasn't really in, which I thought was funny, but he wasn't really invested in this catch point versus high flyers feud because he doesn't really consider himself a high flyer. But he seemed like as the character started to buy more into uh, competition, I started to buy more into Jason Kincaid. Right. And uh, so that was really successful. That was a job well done. And it gives me some hope that Kincaid is not just going to be a jobber for the rest of his run and evolve that we might get a little something out of it. Yeah, I think after this, when you, when you have him appear in an angle, I mean, they they clearly have plans for him. And it'll be interesting to see uh, where that goes. This is such a cliffhanger of a show. I feel like everything yeah. I've said is, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. So we <laughs> all have, have a lot to look forward to. I also liked Kincaid's work this weekend better than I had previously. I thought he was a lot smoother. And it may have been, as Joe Lanza likes to say, all these people are human. It may have been that he started to learn that he was going to get some more to do. And uh, that might have been a good little motivator for him. He was really good all weekend. So this was fun. So we've got Kincaid who comes out, drop kicks Jaka and Dickinson, uh, does a nice little twisting senton onto everybody, you know, all a catch point. So the, that feud must continue, the catch point versus Kincaid. Now the, the, the money starts happening where Keith Lee gets up and oh, this was such a great moment. Uh, the crowd loved it. Keith Lee goes full Tope Conhilo onto the floor, hits everyone. The crowd went insane. You know, it was a big joke on Twitter last week about how everybody does dives in every match. But by God, this dive was over. <laughs> People love this, right? Yeah, nobody does a dive quite like Keith Lee. <laughs> Keith Lee does his dive. We get Tracy Williams in the ring. Riddle hits him with a bro to sleep. And then this is when we find out that Keith Lee is going to challenge Matt Riddle for the WWN Championship at the next Evolve shows. Were you excited about Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee, or were you disappointed that we're not going to get Keith Lee versus Sabre? Yeah, no, I'm fired up for it. And I think, I think, as I said before, it's kind of a, it's a win-win for me as a fan. I'm, I'm excited that this match is going to be at La Boom in Queens in my home borough in June. And I have my ticket. And yeah, I think it's going to be a great match. I, I don't think that Keith Lee is going to win. But, uh, but we also spent all of like last podcast talking about what a great chance Ethan Page had to win. So... Who knows? But I think no matter what, I mean, these are two of the three top guys in this promotion. And probably, if I'm being honest, even as a Zack Sabre Jr. fan, probably the two top guys in this promotion going at it. And it's going to be in front of that hot crowd they always have at LaBoom. It's going to be a blast. I can't believe he just buried Zack Sabre Jr. like that. Dude, I have to. We have to keep his ego down a little bit. I don't know. Do you see Jeremy Corbin <laughs> tweeted at him a couple moments ago? No, I missed that. Yeah. So Zach Saber Jr. His Twitter account is basically a full time pro labor Jeremy Corbin meme meme account. Sure. And earlier today, Jeremy Corbin tweeted at him and said, "Thank you for this and all of your positive tweets." So wow, solidarity with Zach Saber Jr. and the rest of the Brit rest left. You you probably can't tell Zach Saber nothing right now. I mean, this guy is <laughs> is on another level in the wake. Two successful season. title defenses and a tweet from Jeremy Corbin can't do much better. He's such a sweet guy, though. Did you talk to him in Orlando? No, I've never met him. I walked up to his uh, table to buy a t-shirt, and uh, I'm like, Zach, I like all your t-shirts. Which one should I buy? And this guy went through every single t-shirt they had on his table and told me the message behind each t-shirt the idea of where, you know, they all have like lyrics on them. He's like the song that he got each lyric from just a very nice guy. He strikes I mean, me as being very earnest. Yes. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I know he was trying to sell me a t-shirt, but I also got the sense that it was pretty genuine. All right. That's enough of me talking about how much I love Zack Sabre Jr. Let's get back to Keith Lee. Who's got this big title shot coming up. <laughs> who I also love. I spent a lot of time on the first episode talking about how disappointed I was with how Keith Lee has been handled and evolved so far. Basically, as soon as we got done recording the podcast, Gabe announced that uh, if Keith Lee would win both of his matches this weekend, he would get a title shot. So unfortunately, we didn't get to address that on the show last week. Of course, we already told you Keith won both his matches. He's getting a title shot. I guess this 
throws away a lot of what I said as far as, well, it kind of validates what I said that he can be heated up at any moment. So you didn't have to necessarily present him as this beast who can never lose because the fans obviously still bought him as a huge title contender uh, during these matches. And once he won, I have this, I criticized the booking last week. I'm going to give a little criticism of Keith Lee on this episode. I know this is dangerous because Keith Lee is universally beloved. He's the most popular guy on the internet, Aaron. I know. So this is probably a huge mistake. Just warning you. In the, I've always kind of thought this, even as I've been loving him, but in the Fred Yeha match, it was particularly noticeable. I think he's a little too goofy at times. Like his crowd banter in the middle of matches crosses the line a little, especially in a match like the one with Yehai, where it's like, this is a really competitive match. You know, Yehai was pulling out some things that Lee hadn't seen, and he was having to actually you know, try pretty hard to win this match. But Lee did not miss any opportunity to respond to something that some random fan yelled so that he could make a joke. Does that bother you at all, or am I just uh, sensitive? About a month ago, during the June, during the June shows in New York, or not June, sorry, gosh, during the April shows in New York, I was of a similar opinion to you. I was like, this guy should be a monster. He's huge. He does flips. He should be a little bit meaner, you know, because they were chanting friendly fellow at him, you know, after he agreed to restart the match with Kyle O'Reilly. And I just didn't think that he should be a friendly fellow. I thought he should be the man. But after watching him more, I just get the sense that this is who he is, right? He's he's the man, but he's like a warm dude who wants to interact with a kid who yells at him asking for a high five. So while maybe in my mind, you're, I'm kind of like, I would like to see him be a different character, this is what the character is. This is who he is, it seems. And it's working. I mean, that's, that's re- and really, that's what it comes down to for me is that people love this guy. He's the most over guy everywhere he goes. The crowd just eats out of his hand. So I think we're aligned on our personal preferences and what we would like to see out of a wrestler. Because I'm, a, I'm definitely like you, a person who wants who, who likes these matches to look like sports and like fights and, and wants it to be competitive and heated. But I also understand what it seems like Keith Lee and Evolve are trying to do with him, and people just love it. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you were joking about that he's the most loved guy on the internet, but he is the, well, between he and Riddle, he is the most loved guy at these, at these shows. So it's working for sure. Uh, I think it could wear thin on people eventually. I may be wrong about that. Uh, Now, if they ever do decide to uh, turn Lee, I think it could be really effective because he does seem so, he's been so friendly and jolly. And if he flips the switch, man, uh, it might be really effective. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out going forward. I think I'd like to, just any match that we haven't mentioned yet, I'd like to go through to make sure we talk about so we cover uh, everything from the shows. Looking at Evolve 84, uh, the first match was Fred Yehi versus Jason Kincaid. And we talked about this a little. The only thing I wanted to add was, <laughs> and I shouldn't say this. This is like uh, Twitter beefs, basically, of what I'm about to say. A lot of people who are big fans of Fred Yehi are also big critics of wrestlers who have a limb attack during a match, but then they use it in their use that limb in their comeback, which is exactly what Fred Yehi did in this match. Who are you talking about, Aaron? And there was and there was radio silence about Yehi's selling in this match. It bothered me a little, but uh, mainly just the irony uh, made me laugh. So, do you have any thoughts about Fred Yehi versus Jason Kincaid? Not, not really. I, I, uh, not, they won't be as interesting as uh, you firing off the shots at the Twitter sphere. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I think we can move on. All right. Leo Rush versus Austin Theory. Here's my main takeaway from this. Austin Theory is obviously an Everything Evolves listener. He checked out episode one and he thought, I got to bring it this weekend. 
and he totally brought it. He had a lot of personality, a lot of aggression. I think the problem for Austin Theory is he looks like a white meat baby face, but I don't think that's the best role for him. I really think he could bring out some more nastiness. He's a big dude. And especially on the indies where he's going to be a lot bigger than most other people, I feel like he could be a lot more brutal and bring some strikes and just some nastiness. Uh, did you like uh, Austin Theory's matches this weekend? Yeah, good good little weekend for Austin Theory. Your your measured criticism has spurred him on to greatness. He had two good matches, I thought. And and well, I agree with you that with his size, he could be a little he could be a little nasty. I would also say he was a great baby face in peril the next night in that tag match. He took a great beat down. He sold it well. I think he did a lot of things really well this weekend. So good, good for our guy, Austin Theory. He showed basically all the skills you need to be a successful pro wrestler this weekend. I was down on him. I, I'm bullish at this point. If he can harness all that and bring it uh, month to month, he could be really, really good. Okay. Next match was an Evolved Tag Team Championship match. Chris Dickinson and Jaka versus Freelance Wrestling's Isaiah Velasquez and Matt Nix. Did you like this one, Aaron? Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed both of the tag matches uh, on this weekend. The dirty, the sons of dirty da- daddy uh, bandwagon <laughs> continues to roll on with two more victories uh, for Chris Dickinson and Jaka. And yeah, I thought that this was fun and it was good action. I, I love that Chris Dickinson and Jaka work like a tag team. I know that they've tagged a lot in other other companies before coming to Evolve, and I just I love tag teams that work together. I love the fluidity of the double team attacks. Everything they do looks vicious and painful. And this was fun, too, because it had some heat. They built up the heat a little bit early with uh, Stokely Hathaway on the microphone, tossing a little sauce at the city of Chicago. And I thought that it was a... And and the fans were behind the Chicago tag team. And it seemed like like, uh, Velasquez and Knicks were very over there. It seemed like there must have been a lot of freelance wrestling fans in the building as they people were really behind them, even when they first walked out before the pre-match banter. Yeah, I thought that this was a fun match. I gave my buddy Dylan Hales some uh, crap a minute ago talking about Fred Yehi, so I'm going to give him a shout-out here. And I thought he nailed it on this match. What it really needed was a longer shine segment for the freelance tag team. They really needed to build up the idea that they could win the match. I, I think there there had to be an issue on this card with the timing and probably Gabe was worried about getting everybody out in time to get over to NXT. But, you know, between Ethan Page, Zack Sabre match and the time there and this match, I know this wasn't a focus on the show, but if this match had, you know, five more minutes, it could have been really, really good uh, if you build up that shine segment at the beginning. So I thought that was a a very good take. Uh, Moving on Tracy Williams versus Jeff Cobb. We talked about the great weekend that Tracy had. You know, I'm not a huge Tracy Williams fan of his in-ring work generally. I love this match. This is when I like Tracy. When he gets in there with a guy who's bigger and stronger than he is, and Tracy just has to be crafty and creative. He had a counter for every you know strength-based move that Jeff Cobb had, and I love that. I was, uh, I was glued to this match the whole way through. I know you're a big... Tracy fans, I'm guessing you like this one. Yeah, it was good. It was a solid match. And as he said, the counters were cool. I thought the finish was sweet with him, with uh, Tracy Williams rolling through that tour of the islands for the win. Um, so, I, yeah, I thought it was a good match. And I think it's interesting what they're doing with Tracy Williams. We're starting to see sort of the fissures um, that are being exposed between the, the original vision for Catchpoint and Stokely Hathaway's vision for Catchpoint, right? We saw on Evolve 85 the next night during the uh, the opening match, they had a tryout match from people from, I think, the WWN seminars that they do. And after the match, Tracy Williams came out to congratulate the winner. But Stokely, you know, because the winner, Garini, won with a submission hold. But then Stokely Hathaway came in and said, no, he's not a star. The only stars are us. Get out of the ring. And then later we saw there was also a little bit of tension when Jason Kincaid asked for the tag team title shot. And it was Jocka's decision. He said, yeah, we'll take them on where Catchpoint is about competition. And Stokely Hathaway was a little reluctant to announce that he would give out the title shot. So I think that that's a fascinating story that's kind of brewing as far as the 
that tension between who Tracy Williams is and who he's trying to be. So, and we also saw a little bit of that nasty smile coming out. He was sticking his tongue out a little bit this weekend. So I'm fascinated by what they're doing here. I realize I got these matches a little out of order because the first match was actually Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak, which is the next match on, right. on my list. That's what they opened the show with. We talked about Keith Lee, but this match, man, I was so looking forward to it because of the great match they had at Evolve 81. It didn't quite live up to the Evolve 81 match. I know these guys have wrestled a bunch of times, but this match at times felt like they had never been in the ring together. They had uh, some troubles at times moving from spot to spot. I saw... Uh, some people say on Twitter that maybe they were too ambitious, but I don't know. The Evolve 81 match was pretty ambitious. So I don't think that was the issue. There was just, I don't know. It was an early, you know, it was early in the day. I don't know. I'm trying to make excuses for them, but it just didn't come together the way their other match did. Well, I thought that the match was still very good. I did feel that clunkiness that you mentioned, that it wasn't quite as smooth as their past matches and their past match in Evolve. But it was sort of a perfect way to announce yourself to a new market, right? And the crowd loved it. Everything they did seemed to really get over. Dijak had that big dive. And then there was that one spot where Donovan Dijak did a Fosbury flop. And Keith Lee caught him out of midair and slammed him on the apron. And these are just two big dudes. And you just look at that and you're just like, this is fucked up that there are human beings that can do this. It was just incredible. And, and and the crowd was into this match. So while I don't disagree that I think that they, they've had better matches and they probably will have better matches moving forward, it, it was a pretty good way to say, hey, we're evolved. We got these two dudes and they're superhumans and it's sick, you know? Yeah, I think that was the idea of putting them on first. And yeah, I mean, I sounded in the what I said, like, I thought this was a two-star match or something. No, it was it was great. I had their first match at, like, four and three quarters. I mean, I thought it was out of this world. So I was expecting in that range. And uh, it was good. It just wasn't that good. Uh, the rest of the show, we've already talked about a lot. Zack Sabre versus Ethan Page. Matt Riddle versus Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, we move on to the second night of Evolve 85 in Livonia, Michigan. Uh, as Aaron mentioned a second ago, the first match was a tryout match with Dominic Garini and Alex Daniels. This was a short match, uh, had a kind of abrupt uh, MMA-style finish. I didn't really think we got much of a sense of either of these guys, uh, who are guys that, to be honest, I don't know that well. I know their names, but I haven't seen them work very much. Uh, but I didn't get a lot out of them in this match. You have some better sense of these guys than I got out of this? Not really. It was fine. It was chill. It was quick. I'm not sure a Ben Affleck gimmick is the right way to get over <laughs> That's who that was on his tights. I couldn't tell who yeah. Alex Daniels, right? Yeah. yeah. Had a bunch of faces on his tights and on his, on his, I think he had, did he have a singlet? He had a shirt too, yeah, think, right? Yeah. So he, I think he had a shirt that said like the real Ben Affleck or something like that. Oh, okay. And then he took off the first shirt and the second shirt was a picture of Ben Affleck. And then the third shirt, I think, was also a picture of Ben Affleck. Gotcha. See, I think I missed the first two shirts and just yeah. saw the whatever he was wearing that just had all the little faces. And I was like, who are those faces? Yeah. And yeah, then okay. throughout the match, he would like randomly have little banter that referenced Ben Affleck movies. Gotcha. Okay. Like at one point he said, the reindeer games are over. Gotcha. That's what he's, yeah, it just totally, the whole, I missed the nuance of the art there. And I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> I'm not sure there was uh, much art or nuance going on, but it was certainly something. So uh, we go from that into uh, Chris Dickinson and Jocka versus uh, Kincaid and Austin Theory. You talked about how this got set up. Dude, I love this match. I thought this was great. We talked a lot about this match already, so I won't say much except that, yes, not only do Jock and Dickinson work well as a tag team, but they can be so brutal. Like They really bring it sometimes, and that's what I – I love fast-paced, brutal matches. I could watch them all day long. That's what this was, and, and I loved it. Yeah, and I, I, for me, the end of the match had a little bit of overkill with the kickouts and the pinfall breakups. But I still did really enjoy it. And I'm also just a big fan of the tag formula. If you just have two dudes beating up one dude and the one dude has to get to his partner and you just do that long enough, I'm going to be invested. I'm just a sucker for it. And I love it. And I like that they did it here. 
And uh, yeah, this was a good match. We went into Allison Kay versus Priscilla Kelly in a, a shine showcase match. Uh, this wasn't very long. I thought it was pretty good for what it was. Uh, Lenny Leonard and I kind of had some uh, Twitter banter about the match because I was surprised that they had Priscilla Kelly lose since we kind of need to care about her in the Evolve uh, universe. And Lenny was quick to tell me that, well, she's kind of a, a newbie in shine and Allison Kay's on top there. So, you know, there's not really another way you can do it. So I think that's just the that's the problem sometimes with mixing universes the way they did here. And but not going to have any big effect on whatever angle they decide to run with uh, Priscilla Kelly. Yeah. And also while we're talking about Priscilla Kelly, I, I suppose we should mention that she came out after Austin Theory's match against Leo Rush the night before. She rubbed his chest again. She told him that she sees something in him and that they belong to together. But there was no progression the second night. I was joking on Twitter that the way this storyline is moving, it'll be 2032 in Evolve 434, and Priscilla Kelly and Austin Theory will go out on their first date. You know, because I'm just I'm ready for this to to kind of um, move move along. Did you see on Twitter that uh, Bix tweeted that? Priscilla Kelly was going to deflower Austin Theory. Yeah. And Priscilla Kelly liked it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that ruled. I love Twitter. What a great website. Oh, God. It's um, but also, while we're speaking about Priscilla Kelly, one thing we should note is that there was also storyline pro- progression at these shows for Darby Allen. I don't know. Do we, t- we talk about that at all? We haven't talked about Darby. No. Anyway. Yeah. So just, just a quick note. So we're all on the same page. Darby Allen came out after the title match between Zack Sabre Jr. and Ethan Page at Evolve 84 on Saturday. And he had his arm still in a sling after being injured in that big, dangerous match against Ethan Page in New York. And he said he was going to reinvent himself as a wrestler and challenged Zack Sabre Jr. for a title shot. Zack said to get healthy and come see him. And also then this night, uh, he was on commentary for the main event talking about his title aspirations. So I just wanted to touch on that because he, that does seem like a big part of where this company is going. It seems like they're setting up a program between Zack Sabre Jr. and Darby Allen. So I just kind of was wondering what you thought about that. Well, I, I guess the idea is that Zack, this kind of goes to what you were talking about earlier, that Zack is a fighting champion, takes on everybody. If anybody says they want a title match, Zack says yes. Because it's kind of weird that Zach would say yes to a title match with Darby Allen, who, while he had some big wins over Ethan Page, he ultimately lost the feud and, you know, isn't a big player in Evolve at all. And Zach's like, sure, come on, we'll have a title match. It'll be great. Which, I mean, he did that with Leo Rush. Leo came out. It's like, sure, let's have a title. I mean, anybody that asks Zach, they're getting it. So I think it makes sense from all perspectives. And if Darby wants to try to do something that's not – uh, just finding the tallest thing in the building to throw himself off of. Zack Sabre's a good guy to try to have that match with. So good luck, Darby. Okay, moving on. We talked a little bit about Ethan Page versus Donovan Dijak, but I was a big fan of this match. I did think it was weird after, like you were talking about earlier, that he had this really debilitating loss the night before, and then he comes out and is vanity searching with Dijak. But the comedy in the match was fun. If you look at it in a vacuum, the comedy in the match in the match was funny. They had great a great brawling segment outside of the ring. Dijak did a lot of crazy stuff, like insanely athletic stuff, which is always fun. But they grounded it all in the story that Paige was working on Dijak's back, and it really played into the finish. I'm a sucker for that when it's like, I'm going to work a limb, and then the person who has been worked over can't do their finish or some other uh, important move because of the work earlier, Like I will just be like, yes, I am into this. And Dijak couldn't get him up for the feast your eyes. He tried many times, but it just wouldn't work. And Paige is able to win in the end. And I thought this was great. Sure. Yeah, this was in a vacuum. This was really good. And I thought the, the comedy they did was really funny. You know, I just I thought it was the completely wrong time to have this kind of match. But I will admit the match was good. Both guys, I thought the bit with the name searching was really funny. And <laughs> Ethan Page shoving the dude's phone down his pants and 
giving it back to him and then the dude in the crowd going with it and licking the phone. It was, yeah, it was a good and entertaining match. I just, I, I was upset at the time by what they did with it, but I went back and watched it a second time. I was like, no, this was good. It just wasn't really appropriate, I thought. Yeah, I think you're right. And especially in this universe where they usually take things a little more seriously. Not that they don't have comedy in their matches. They can have comedy, but they usually take the storylines a little more seriously than they did here. The next match was Kyle O'Reilly versus Tracy Williams. This match died a terrible death in front of a super hot crowd. I hated it so badly. I know you were really excited about it, Aaron. I'm hoping that it didn't uh, meet your expectations because otherwise we're just on different planets on this match. Yeah, no, it didn't. I uh, I like Tracy Williams, as I've said before. I'm a Kyle O'Reilly super fan, but this just didn't land. It was it was kind of a disjointed match. It didn't feel like there was a cohesive story to me. Maybe there was, and I missed it. But it just didn't really click for me. And and the crowd, it was like the one match on the show that the crowd wasn't totally with because they were great, as we said before. They were into everything, but this was like the one thing that they just didn't feel so yeah i i didn't love it i thought it was fine so yeah i think the lesson here is to not get excited about the matches and then just have them exceed my expectations rather than getting super fired up and being disappointed it's all how it's all it's all relative it is do you think kyle O'Reilly's done and evolved I don't know. It was it was obviously, yeah, kind of a surprise surprise finish with Tracy Williams tapping him out clean with the cross face. I don't know. One thing about this podcast is we're we're just fans. We don't really have uh sources or the hot scoops. So I guess we'll find out when the next cards come out whether uh Kyle O'Reilly's done and evolved. Do you think do you think this finish leads you to believe he's done? It gave me the sense that he was because Although I have to look at it differently than I do from my personal taste because I don't view Tracy Williams as a big deal because I'm not a big fan of his. And obviously the promotion views him as a big deal because he beat Cobb and O'Reilly and he's clearly headed for some sort of title shot. So maybe it's not as big of a deal for O'Reilly to lose to Williams as I think it is. But to me, O'Reilly is just on another level than Williams. And it almost seemed like in these four shows, they built O'Reilly up just to hand him to Tracy Williams, you know, to let Williams uh, get some heat off of him. And if that was the plan, it worked well. It just, uh, the match didn't, didn't go the way that they probably hoped. Okay. We talked about the top three matches on this show. Uh, Yehi and Lee, Riddle and Cobb, Sabre and Rush. Just before we get out of here, I thought we could talk quickly about the next set of Evolve shows. Of course, we'll be back before these shows happen to preview them for you. Evolve 86 is on June 24th in Melrose, Massachusetts. Evolve 87 is June 25th in Queens, New York. Of course, uh, Aaron Taub will be in the building. Evolve 86, we're getting uh, Riddle versus Sabre in a non-title champion versus champion match. Should be insane. All right, Evolve 87, uh, the big match that we know so far is uh, Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee for the WWN Championship. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be great, and I can't wait to talk more about it at our next show. Of course, Aaron already told you he, he's not sure that Keith Lee can win. So we'll see what we think in about three weeks. The, the big news that came out today, and we'll close with this, is that on August 12th in Queens, New York, Evolve and Progress will do a double shot together. I didn't see this coming, but I guess they did work together in Orlando. It makes sense. But I didn't know Progress was going to start running the States. So I guess, Aaron, you're probably going to be there. you got to be excited about this. My dude, I am so fired up. <laughs> They're running like 20 minutes from my apartment uh, in a cab ride. They're running equidistant between Flushing and Astoria. I'm going to get some Chinese food in Flushing. going to eat the grilled octopus in Astoria. All my, all my friends from the internet are going to be coming into New York to, to party and watch the wrestling. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, I just, I love it. I hope you'll come up. And uh, hang out. You should. It's going to be great. I'm definitely going to have to consider it. The weird thing is, you alerted me to this earlier. It's one weekend before SummerSlam. Yeah. 
a little bizarre. I, I mean, you would think, I mean, we've read for years that the WWE doesn't like other companies piggybacking off of their big events. Maybe they said something. I don't know. But yeah, I guess fans are going to have to make a choice. I think if you're, I mean, if you're coming from England, you've maybe booked your travel. If you're coming from other parts of the United States, you're not going to come up to New York for a whole like week and a half to do this. And you're not going to come up and go back home and come twice. So I think people have to make a choice. For me, the progress of all double shot is the double header rather is so much more interesting than SummerSlam. And it's up here in Queens. So I think this weekend will be more fun than the other weekend. If anyone out there is listening and thinking about doing one or the other, come hang out with us. I wonder, I mean, you know, I'm reading minds, but I wonder if WWE says to progress, you run the weekend before, but you can use Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn, some sort of give and take. I'll be interested to see how those guys factor in. I think that's a big story. I know they're not evolved guys, so we're not here to talk about them, but that'll be interesting how all that plays out. And I'm sure we'll talk about it much, much more as we get closer to August. We might even do a little uh, talk about the progress show on this show since they're yeah. uh, doubling up with Evolve as we get closer to that. Okay. Uh, I think that's everything for this week. Uh, we will be back here in a couple of weeks, you know, in advance of the June 24 shows, probably June 22, I would expect we will drop previews for Evolve 86 and Evolve 87. Uh, again, this is Everything Evolves. You can find us on Twitter at EvolvePod. Uh, please interact with us. Uh, anything you want to talk about, uh, well, you know, related to Evolve, we're happy to talk about. Slide in the DMs if you want. Uh, we are a proud member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. You can find all the other great podcasts on the network, uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com, or just subscribe to the whole network on the podcast uh, provider of your choice. I guess that's it. I'm Aaron Bentley, and for your co-host Aaron Taub, we are Everything Evolves. See you next time. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.